What's going on, everybody? It's your buddy. It's your pal, Spass Phoenix, the YWC Reality Check, and you don't see my pretty sexy face, so you know I'm not alone. We're doing NXT, which means, apparently, in 2020, we got Jake back. Yeah, baby. Um, here to represent the uh, the black and yellow for this Sunday's NXT TakeOver Portland pay-per-view. Can't wait. Going to be a hell of a show. For those of you that have been listening to me for a long time, you guys always know I like to give you a little peek behind the curtain. Basically, what I'm trying to experiment here is a little bit more specific branding on the channel. Uh, the idea being that, much like uh, Guapo has been our AEW guy, I think I'm going to go with Jake being my NXT guy. I mean, Jake gets all the AEW he can handle over on the Joe Cronin show, which you should also go check out. But we're not doing that today. We're not, we're not poking out each other's eyes with keys. Today. <laughs> no, we're uh, it's fine. We're not blinding anyone. No eye patches here. Oh man. Um, but yeah, like uh, much like when we did Worlds Collide, there's a couple of things to talk about before we get into the actual show. Number one, this has a very interesting, and this has been my my hill to die on for a while now. The pay per view schedule of NXT has been completely turned up on its head today, or or this year, I should say. Um, yeah, that's for sure. They helped promote the UK show. They did the Worlds Collide show. They were part of Royal Rumble. This is their third pay-per-view of the year, and also their first pay-per-view. And it's the first one, at least in a very long time, I think they did one other one, that isn't actually attached to a mainstream, main roster WWE pay-per-view. How important is this pay-per-view this Sunday, and is it potentially more important than what they do WrestleMania weekend? I don't know about more important, but it certainly will set up the foundation for what's to come for Mania Weekend. If they exceed expectations here, I think that will only benefit them more so for the April showing. Problem is, is if they if they overpromise and underdeliver on you know Sunday night, then I think they're going to have a really hard time recovering, especially you know losing rating numbers week to week with AEW and with so much of the focus being on the. Wednesday Night War, which isn't really a war as we've discussed previously, but um, it, it's more of just a, a, a you know ratings cash grab. <laughs> and pretty it, silly to, to even consider it as a battle. But all in all, if they go ahead and they don't fully deliver on everything Sunday, then I, I think it's really going to be a you know a negative setback for them. This is a, a real you know chance for them to, to showcase their talents with a new influx of viewers that are coming in from Survivor Series, because, you know, this is the full full first takeover since Survivor Series happened. Like you said, they've had other shows, but War Games was before the Survivor Series matchup. Also, it's not on a Saturday. It's on a Sunday, so they're taking WWE's, you know, showcasing Sunday spot, and uh, they've had a, a good deal of advertising towards it as well, so I think it's a bit of a triple threat there. I think it, like, and, and I'm not saying that this is necessarily the case, but I think you might actually have an advantage from it being the Sunday in the sense that, you know, up until takeovers came along, up until, um, you know, their Wednesday night rival AEW came along, Sunday was the pay-per-view night. Sunday was the night that you set aside to watch, you know, whatever the special event was. You know, WrestleMania is on a Sunday, the Royal Rumble is on a Sunday, all the other, like, the idea of these pay-per-views landing on a Saturday... For like, like I say, for AEW, for NXT, for even some of the UK shows, is a relatively new concept. You think uh, moving into that more traditional spot, you get them viewers? Yeah, I think that's their hope with this one. Honestly, 
I, I do believe that that would be their, you know, their end goal to have people who are used to that traditional Sunday spot uh, tune in as well. And people are, you know, they're out and about Saturdays. They're busy on Friday night, Sunday. People are home. They're getting ready for work the next day. They want to go ahead and relax and watch something. So it gives them a chance to go ahead and, and sit back, kick in, and, and watch wrestling. And especially because the XFL beforehand on Fox is promoting TakeOver as well. So that's that might be a huge influx. Well, that's nice awesome. to see. Um, it's, it's, it's not the something... The main I'm card, sorry, sorry to cut you off there before I forget. The main card for NXT right now is on the homepage of Fox Sports. There you go. Uh, it was it was updated at 7 p.m. Eastern. So now I find that very interesting because like we've seen and as we're going to talk about later on, there has been a lot of cross promotion between NXT and Raw, which to me makes a lot of sense because they're both on USA. I have to watch NXT on a really shitty USA stream, and your guys' commercials are worse than ours. But I, I get the whole like you know a uh, USA has both of these shows, cross-promote them, let them help each other out. It is cool to hear, because I hadn't heard this, I'm not much on the news end of end of things, as most people know. Uh, it's really cool to hear that Fox, even though they're where the other show is, they're the other channel, it's nice to see that they're still uh, giving, giving, them, giving some love to the shows that aren't on their channel because we weren't quite sure how that was going to work like when they did the when they did the rebrand split and you know either you know are fox and usa going to fight over like roman and lesnar and all that sort of thing but also how much would they really want to help each other out so that that's a really cool thing to hear yeah plus i mean they're also trying to do a bit of what we envisioned beforehand i know you and i particularly weren't huge fans of like you know the invasion type angle where you have people main roster coming down, but that seems to be their their current tentative plan to pull somebody every now and again to try and raise viewership as well. See, in I some don't... regards, it could be you know a good thing because like oh they're trying to legitimize NXT, but now I don't feel that's their their intention with Charlotte. I feel like that's strictly because Charlotte A needs something to do, and B they also feel it'll help raise ratings overall by bringing someone in you know big mainstream to the you know the nxt brand see i don't know and i don't and i don't want to speak for you when i say this i don't mind crossover in the brands what i mind what i was 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 really ticked off by what most people were ticked off by last year was they literally threw everybody around for no reason charlotte like you say she's got the uh the rumble thing in her back pocket which means she can address any champion which kind of gives a built-in reason for another champion to show up wherever she is there's a reason for that that is a hundred percent from my perspective anyway that's a hundred percent not the issue that i had for uh for something like the the wild card rule because it it was just like how much can we cram on a show the same thing uh and it's not something we're really going to talk about tonight because it's not really related but the way they're double using angel garza uh, in the absence of Andrade, is, yeah. is smart in the sense of, like, it's all Zelina Vega, you know, she's, you know, not just a pretty face, she's pretty smart at, in her advocacy role. How, be how better to fuck with an opponent than get one of their relatives on your side? There's a built-in reason there. There's an actual kayfabe slash emotional slash psychological reason for that to happen. And with her being in an advocacy type of role, you figure she could make those moves backstage, whereas New Day showing up on Raw because pancakes. 
is is <laughs> is, is not that because pancakes. because pancakes and I'm not even going to talk about the whole pancakes versus frogs versus turkeys thing because that's a that's a JCS thing <laughs> that apparently food. apparently actually became a thing. It did indeed. Now, because we're rambling, you're always going to keep pancakes in your back pocket though. Just keep your ass safe. Oh, I don't want to think about pancakes <laughs> in anybody's pants or anybody's Go- diddle cave. Kofi Kingston has ruined pancakes for me by sticking pancakes in his pants as the... This is not a main roster WWE video. We're not doing this. Um, (laughs) We're going to keep up another trend from... Uh, uh, Before before you get into that, uh, you know, Triple H also noted that, as you mentioned with Angel Garza, he also said that there's, uh, you know, no official confirmation that Shayna's on the main roster. Yeah, he said, he said that'll play out. He said she's at this in a sports team like way in the sense that you have to make a deal to get you know talent to move. She's still NXT talent until they make a deal for her to go elsewhere. Uh, you know, I think Triple H might be coming to full sale to get revenge. So I, I think she's going to stay in NXT for now, and then you know make a full debut after Mania. But yeah, I mean I'm, I am going to touch on on that whole scenario a little bit later on. But uh, as, I, as I was about to try and make a really awkward transition into, uh, we sort of set the standard with Worlds Collide last time with let's start talking about this show by talking about what's not on the show. We were talking about the uh, the Dusty Classic at the time. Yeah. Uh, there's two matches. Two matches were announced last night that I could have sworn would have ended up on this card, with it being a Sunday show, a little bit of a bigger show. Uh, obviously, you think there'd be more matches and whatever. One, I'm entirely okay with them leaving off, and one, I am really, really bothered that they left off. The first one is, that we're getting next week is Roderick Strong versus Velveteen Dream. A lot of people wanted to see this on the card. Roderick Strong... I, I, I did want to see it on the card as well. I can see why people... You know, can justify having it go to Wednesday, but I, I was initially upset. I've, I've come to accept it, but I was disappointed it wasn't showcased at the pay-per-view. I'm okay with it not, uh, only because Velveteen Dream just came back, and I yeah, hate... and this, this will be a main event of, of, of uh, the show. NXT, and I imagine they'll get more time there than they would at the pay-per-view. Right. And They're the, going to make them, like, you know, he's going to be the headliner for next week with an overrun... They'll probably give them 20-plus minutes to, to have a really great match. Is where the pay-per-view, they would have maybe yeah. sub-10. Yeah, and they, they might give it that USA commercial-free treatment that USA lets them do every now and then, which is really cool. They've really got a lot of flex on USA. I don't really know this. Like I say, watching up here in Canada, we're on Sportsnet 360 or we're on a stream. But I do like that they do when they know they have something important, they get that sort of I don't know whether it's a permission or whatever, but to go commercial free, like for the first half hour or whatever they do. I'm totally okay with this not being on the card because one thing I hate, and as much as I love Velveteen Dream, and this is not a dig at him specifically, I hate the idea that the best way to get on a pay per view or the best way to get yourself a title shot is to get injured. Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't like that. And like they did when we talked about this at Worlds Collide, like, why would you not have that Tegan Knox versus Dakota Kai match on the show? Why are you doing it the following week? And immediately, I, I thought, I hated it and then I loved it, because what did they do? They went and they had sort of a, a little bit of a schmoz of a match that led yeah, to... Yeah, just, just to whet everyone's appetite. I was disappointed yeah. then, but then I saw that the, you know, the writing on the wall of, oh, yeah. hey, this was just a, a, you know, preparatory pre, you know, a, a you know, not the actual main of you know main course. So 
Yeah. So that one I, I entirely don't mind because if we go next week and they do a schmoz and it leads, I mean, I, it's a little bit of a stretch to stretch that out to the next takeover, which is until April. Yeah, but it, too long and far to. to but I, I trust. For the most it, part. I trust NXT to hold that story out more than I do like Raw, SmackDown, AEW, etc. Oh, absolutely. But but for most of the feuds, if they hold on to them, that if they didn't have them either culminate or advance at this Portland show, it would be too far out for April. Yeah. So that's why you know some of the, like the Dakota Kai one. I'm glad they changed their mind and, and brought that you know with Tegan Knox. Yeah, and you know what? There are, you you do need to have feuds that maintain television. And it's not to say that that Dream and Strong won't be a great match and it wouldn't be pay-per-view worthy, but every now and then you have to show the week-to-week viewers that you can get pay-per-view worthy stuff on the show, or you go back to what happened when NXT was on the network, where nobody really gave a shit, and I know even uh, you and Joe have talked about this in the past, um, where you don't really have to catch the week-to-week show, like, okay, give me a video package before the next pay-per-view and I'll be fine. You want to sort of fight against that mentality, and I do think Strong and Dream, like regardless of their characters, regardless of the stories, the match they're going to put on uh, will do that for the show. So I don't mind that one being left off. Yeah, and like you said, it, when they weren't live week to week, it was okay to have the mindset of, all right, just catch me up quick, because it was pre-tape. Spoilers were heavily abound, you know. Yeah. Now it was, it's, it's. Almost a necessity. You know, yeah, you can catch the five-minute recap, but you're missing so much of the story. And that's why I worry that, you know, Joe and a few others, that when they do just tune into the takeover, that they're not getting the full effect of all the storytelling that they delve so deep into producing into these matches. Yeah. Now, to flip that coin, the really, really stupid move of one other match that they didn't put on the card, and yes, I am going to go back and give us credit one more time, talking back at Worlds Collide, Ah, eh, you know, Garza's probably going to retain his title. No big deal. But wouldn't it be cool if Devlin won the title? Wouldn't it be cool if Devlin brought that title back to the United States and we got Devlin versus Rush? Yeah. And we're getting that next week. That and I can't wait. I can't wait either, right? Because it's going to be amazing. But that should be on the pay-per-view. It really should and more importantly, but that, now, ti- kind of, that I'm title. I'm kind of okay needs- with them using the the NXT Cruiserweight title as like their secret weapon to open NXT shows because they're so white hot in terms of the matches that they deliver that it really is a great way to kick off the live Wednesday show. Oh, I, and I and I don't deny that. I I really don't because all the arguments- I see your point though. I wanting it to be showcased, but just having it kick off the pay per view, I'd rather have it kick off the show and, and bring more viewers into the weekly product. Then, and they can get more time there. You know, I'd rather have them get get you know the extra advantage of being showcased. Yeah, I just and and this is more from a selfish point of view as well. Like as as a, a you know as we said before, like the black and yellow guys. I think like you can talk about all the big main stars, the big main matches that we have coming up, the the stars that we like, the new gimmicks, the new angles, whatever. I'm sorry, one of the biggest success stories of NXT coming into this TV era is the way that they have rebirthed that cruiserweight division, specifically under that under the good hand of Leo Rush. So Leo Rush deserves a shot to show himself on a pay-per-view that's not sort of a thrown-together pay-per-view like Worlds Collide was, because he was left out of that entire scenario. But also, that belt, now that it's not a grapefruit roll-up, <laughs> belongs on belongs on a takeover and it's I, I i sound like i'm flip-flopping with that and i sound like i'm sort of putting them above dream and strong 
I really am because they've shown they can do it, and it does so much for Leo Rush, who sort of brought that title back, for them to finally recognize that it actually needs to look like an NXT title, for Devlin to be there and representing the other NXT. It serves so many masters not to be on the card. Absolutely. I uh, it's, it's a bummer for me. Um, it is, it is, and I do see that, but I, I can't help but feel, you know, from my point of view, and again, that's, that's good that we differ, it's just that... Hey, all right. At least we, uh, you know, we we can say apples to oranges, but we both want to see the match regardless. So at least they have us there. And specifically, if they want to finally, if they want to put the finishing touch on fixing that title, when they do decide to put it on a takeover, please God, don't put it on the kickoff. Yeah. Please. Because how for how long was that the kickoff championship? Uh, far too long. I mean, that was representative of what people thought of 205 Live, so it wasn't entirely out of the realm of logic. Yeah, but it, was, I, it was in that sense of believability, absolutely. But unfortunately, 205 Live is, is such a hard It's such a hard show sell. to accept because of how they've they've booked it, promoted it, and, and how they haven't shared it. I mean, the position that it's in, you know, after SmackDown, the fans are tired, and then yep. they're waiting for 205 Live to hurry up so they can get their dark match, which lately has been like The Fiend. or You know, so obviously they want to hurry up, get these flippy guys out of here, because I want to see Bray Wyatt. So they don't get much crowd reaction. A lot of people have left. And the few times, I think twice it's happened, where they've had 205 Live air before SmackDown, Vince was worried that, you know, that the fans would become tired for SmackDown, and that wasn't the case. 205 Live was actually able and to... And people aren't going to come in. Yeah. People aren't so. going to come in earlier for 205 Live. It's not an enticing thing. I'll tell you right now, when I... Because um, we had SummerSlam here in Toronto, and it was good, other than Sasha Banks coming back. Um, on the Tuesday, when it was still on <laughs> Tuesday, yeah, I, I did that. That's a thing. I'm an asshole. Hit me up in the comment sections. Um, you know, after TakeOver, after SummerSlam, after Raw, after SmackDown. SmackDown sold like shit. I sent you and Joe... Uh, a picture of the tarps, uh, yes. watching watching the guys on SmackDown play to the camera, which is on the tarp side, which is basically watching them talk to nobody is yeah, so weird. It's so weird. Now, because it undersold so well, I got moved from the 300 section to the 100 section, which isn't a bad deal. Also got to chat up Jimmy Corderas, which was a really cool thing. Um, but yeah, even... Even that, even on my fourth straight day of wrestling, of like my five-day-long weekend that I gave myself, and even with a free seat upgrade, I still left the minute the bell rang <laughs> for SmackDown, whatever the main event was, I don't even remember. It's not enticing. Because you're not made to think that these guys are big, or you weren't at the time, made to think that these guys are big deals, and why would you stay for these guys that aren't even yeah, treated like Yeah, they're just viewed as enhancement talent. And to see, anyways, but to bring it back around to a positive, what NXT has done to change that mentality, it would almost be a smack in the face if they did ever put it on a on a kickoff, because it's just it's so ingrained that kickoff is a down is a downgrade, and that's where they stick the cruiserweight title. I don't think they can ever do it again. They'll get booed. Yeah, uh, I, I I don't disagree. Uh, I mean, but that's that's relatively new too for takeovers to even have like matches on the kickoff because usually they were taping the the episode for the next week until recently. Anyways, so that was a whole lot of not talking about the pay per view. Um, <laughs> that's what we're good at. Worth noting, uh, apparently this was announced by 
NXT in general. This was announced by Triple H, more specifically all over social media. We are getting two performances by Poppy at this show, yeah, which is fine. NXT and Triple H have basically adopted this girl. Yeah, which I'm all about. I, I like Poppy. I like the you know, I'm not a huge fan of the music, but I like the style in the sense like. I like how different it is. I'm intrigued I by her, I should say. Like yeah. it's not something I would go and, and listen to regularly and jam out to, but the, the performances and some of like the the avant garde weird nature of it all is is her it's intro, supposed to be perturbing. You know, it's it's very yeah. interesting. It's it's there's a little bit of a Billie Eilish feel to it. And Billie Eilish is another one that's like, I don't necessarily like it, but I like how weird it is. Yeah, and exactly. Poppy's stuff, uh, because she promotes, I, like I followed her a while ago just out of curiosity, she, on her own account, promotes a lot of NXT stuff. So I think yeah. it's a mutually beneficial situation. And she's, also, a, she's a very big wrestling fan. And her music fits so well. Like, even if I didn't like it, when she did, on a random weekly episode of NXT, she played a live entrance for Io Shirai. And it was amazing. And it wasn't. Yeah, it was, it, 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 and it fit, too. It wasn't like one of those pairings where you're like, what the hell is going on here? This this fit. Yeah, it wasn't MGK singing like John Cena to the ring at WrestleMania. Just exactly. because. Exactly. Slow Rider with, the, you know, oh, the rock. And... Oh, my God. That's not. But, you know, I'm, I'm actually. And I don't, I don't think it's gone this far. I wouldn't mind even, like, Poppy being, like, the NXT house band. Yeah. Like, that's, a, hey, that's something I... that wrestling's never really had. No, like, the closest you can think of is, like, WCW having the Nitro Girls, like, their in-house, like, dance troupe. But, like, if they had, like, if Poppy did more directly connect with them and they were, like, the house band, I, I would love that. I think, uh, I mean, she's obviously got to go off and do her own thing as well. But, I mean, like, what's to say that, like, you know, ten years down the line in Wrestlingville, you don't get, like, a double-billed concert with, like, Poppy and Fozzie. Or, or some ridiculousness like that. I think it's really cool. Yeah. Absolutely. And they don't go overboard with the special stuff in NXT. Like, you see some... I just watched the, um, the the Mad Max entrance that Triple H did last year at WrestleMania when she, when he was facing uh, Batista. And that was that was really, really extra, as most Triple H entrances are. I, I they, they strike a good mix on a takeover. Like, uh, what did my heart really good was Lizzie Hale from Hailstorm singing Ember Moon to the ring. Yeah, that was like, a great moment. I popped and rewinded the whole damn pay-per-view. <laughs> well, she's a phenomenal guitarist as well, so... Oh, Lizzie Hale's a phenomenal everything. There's a reason that all my intros and outros on this channel are Hailstorm <laughs> clips. Yeah. Like, that's a thing. But, so that's going to be cool. I uh, I do hope that because we have more matches on this card than a typical takeover, that it doesn't take up too much of the show. But I don't think they'll do that. I think they'll find a way to edge it in really well. So... Going into this, and I will say, Joe, or not, you're Jake, not Joe. Um, <laughs> I didn't say this before we started. I meant to. I love this show. I am like excited to the point of trembling about this show. But yeah, there, I mean, but, there's but, a lot of great matches here, and a lot of. But there's a here's. I'm gonna cut you right off and say this. This is the first time for NXT where I feel like a lot of uncertainty is is abound. If, if that makes sense. It I, does, yeah. Regarding one or two matches, everything else feels like I can go either which way. And that's I, great. That's, what, see, that's my, what adds so much interest to this, this pay-per-view. My problem with it is, is as excited as I am for every match on this card, with the possible exception of one, I also have a little tiny, like, little nugget of something that bugs me about it with every match. 
as, that is almost on equal par with how much I'm interpreting it, or how much I'm looking forward to it, rather. And I'm pretty sure the biggest example, and it's the first thing we're going to talk about, is the North American Championship, and it's Keith Lee versus Dominic Dijakovic. Dot, dot, dot. Yeah, this Again. is the only one that I view that um, w- would be predictable, like out, out and out. I feel like every other match has a chance to go either way for the most part, except for this one. I, I feel like Keith Lee being such a powerhouse rocket strap right to his ass cheeks, he'll he'll successfully defend the title. But you said the key word, again. We've seen these two feud more than we saw Owens and Zayn, it feels like. It is just, it's tiresome. I know they, they put on magic, they work well together, but how could they not when you rehearsed it 50 times, it feels like? And see, this is where I I, um, I dip into my references from What Culture, because they talk about how much times this match has happened, and then a couple of the guys over on that channel reference how many times this match has happened in other promotions, under different banners, under oh, yeah, different absolutely. umbrellas, and, you know, occasionally... There, there's something different, but occasionally you do get that feeling of people that have seen other people in the indies uh, that are sort of watered down when you when you get to WWE, and that's even true in NXT. My problem with it personally is we've seen this a lot of times, and you got Keith Lee, who's you know when he came in, I wasn't sure about him. I I grew I grew to love him quite quickly. Dominic Dijakovic. Uh, is in a category along with the Forgotten Sons and Cameron Grimes and a couple of other people where it's like, I will acknowledge to the nth degree that they are fantastic athletes and they more than do their fair share in the ring, but I don't care. Yeah, they're forgettable, unfortunately. They kind of fall to the wayside because, as you said, great in-ring action, but not a lot of character, not a, lot, not a ton of charisma, some more than others, but they all kind of fall into that heavy mid-mid-card. Yeah, you know, segment. Where, what I what I've got in my notes here, and le- as I said before we started recording, I've only got some of my notes. But look at the story we took to get here. They fought a bunch. It took throwing Roderick Strong in the mix to make this match a little bit more interesting. Now he only got thrown into the mix because he had the title. He doesn't have the title anymore, and he's got other things to worry about. So exactly. we got this again and again and again. What bothers me personally is that we buried. Damian Priest and Killian Dane to get back to this match again. <laughs> yeah, that feels wholly unnecessary and, and completely avoidable. We, we shouldn't have a different opponent for Keith at this point in time. You figure they'd want to add to his tremendous list of accolades of people he's defeated single-handedly and, and efficiently, and saying that he you know slapped around Dijakovic again doesn't really do much for his momentum or no. his case. So... If if he had a really stellar match with you know anyone you listed, that would have only added to his his stock certainly. But at this point, you can and you know they'll put on a good match. That's not the issue here. But but for them, it, it's it it probably feels so routine at this point in time. And even if they do try and pull out something amazing and and never before seen in wrestling, I I still feel like it would get put on the back burner just because people have dismissed this feud. And see, the, the sad thing about that, and it, and is, it feels like I'm burying Dijak, and I'm trying my best not to, and I'm not even saying that it would be better, but just for the sake of something different, I would have loved Priest or Dane versus Keith Lee. K- Killian Dane, this new sort of back in NXT, reborn, badass Killian Dane versus Keith Lee, is that 
you know, Mark Henry, Big Show, except good <laughs> um, yeah, thing really. you go for. Because it's not going to be, I'm sorry to say it for the bigger guys, it's not going to be a technical classic. So let it be the two Mack trucks running into each other. And I think when you get Lee and Dijak together, they try to do both. And the more they try to do both, the more they're not really doing either. You hit it on the, the nail on the head. The other thing is it's super predictable. Dijak's not winning. Lee does have the thing strapped to his back. He deserves it. He's he's a gift machine. Watching him pounce, um, what's his name, Adam Cole, Adam into, Cole, into yeah. like the fifth row, and then he pounced the security guy into a bush, and then popping up behind you know Balor's head, and he's he's got so many of those great moments. Oh, that dramatic rise. Uh, his interaction with with Lesnar, yeah, you know, he's just like you said, he's he's highly gifable, and those are the kind of things that that WWE search for in my eyes at this point in time. They want those things that they can retweet and and have people you know make viral so he's uh he's certainly the person to do that like you said though i think we both agree keith retains it's obvious and and we go on to to hopefully bigger and better see the the minute i heard we were getting this again i wanted something as far away from it as possible so i had i had booked in my head okay somehow damian priest gets a cheap win over keith lee and he gets the title and then we get priest versus swerve like that's how far the other way I went because I didn't want to see this match. Again. Yeah, you you really went through the deep end, but how can I, I can't blame you because well they're not doing no anything with Swerve either. either. Like Priest has such a cool gimmick, and I I've said it in every review. I was a big fan of the of the original Crow movies back in the day with Brandon Lee. Oh, absolutely. And he's got such a without ripping it off, without ripping it off, without being a carbon copy, he carries so much of that vibe that it's awesome. And yeah, people, he's not another Sting, but he is inspired by you yeah. know that that Pe- movie. People for pick sure. apart his in-ring work, and again, you get the whole well, he's not as good as he was in the Indies. But like, I'm loving the character so much that what he's doing in the ring can catch up. Like, he's got that free pass from me. Yeah, for yeah now. and WWE made him you know change his style a bit too. So yeah. Anyways, so we'll carry on from that because apparently neither one of us are really excited about it. To something I am really excited about because we have a layered women's division. It actually manages to have a mid card. We got the street. Yes. We've got the street fight between Dakota Kai and Tegan Knox. Um, the only thing that this is missing, really, and I had I had actually fantasy booked this for another. Um, fantasy booking video that I never ended up doing, but the only thing missing from this is Candice LeRae as the referee. I was going to say, I think Candice plays a part in this at some point. That was that was literally, you took the words from my mouth. I, I think she'll get involved and inadvertently cost Tegan the match. Not intentionally, but, you know, something will happen. Just like she took the chair away from, you know, Dakota last time and it led to uh, Tegan being victorious. I think that Dakota Kai will win due to some inadvertent nature of Candice getting involved and their friendship will be on rocks going forward, Tegan and Candice, but it'll lead to Candice LeRae and Dakota Kai facing off after this. That's my guess. But I wouldn't even if mind that, that. Happen, I, I still see Dakota Kai being victorious here. Uh, well, for one thing, you know they're both going to use knee braces as weapons. Absolutely. That's, um, a, that's that must. There's such a unique thing about this, and I don't know whether it adds to it or whether it just gives it a slightly different point of view, is that realistically, this didn't start in NXT. Like, if you follow how much they publicized uh, yeah, both, of their, both of their injuries, but specifically Tegan Knox in the Mae Young Classic and all the footage yep. of her uh, meeting with Triple H and all that sort of thing, it almost... Their journey to get to NXT, yeah, all of it. 
it almost it, it it's got this cool way about it of it almost exists above NXT. And I don't mean as in like more important, it just sort of exists outside the yellow bubble just yeah. a little bit. And I think that's Well that's, that's what makes so these cool. things work. That was that was why on SmackDown, a lot of people, myself included, are enjoying the Otis and Mandy thing because Otis has been flirting with Mandy on social media for two years now. Started January 2018, and you know that's that's been a consistent thing going on to the point where fans were so clamoring for it that WWE finally had to acknowledge it, and now they have a huge hit on their hands, so they're running with it. But WWE you know, like said, falls into so much good shit by accident; it's actually exactly. kind of infuriating. It, 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 yeah, it's amazing in its own right that it works, but yeah, same thing here. So they're, they're in their own little world, uh, and and the story just kind of bled into kayfabe, and the attack was surprising and you know pretty vicious at War Games. Oh, and now that was really to, good. It was it was so well executed. You know, and, and easily uh, one of the most sympathetic moments we've seen in a while because now, you know, Tegan finally returns from injury, claws her way back to the women's division just to have that moment taken away from her by her, you know, former best friend. It was heart-wrenching, and they did a great job with it. So everything they've done so far, uh, excluding the match a few weeks ago, but like we said before, you know, that, that was intentional just to, to wet your whistle yeah. knowing what was coming. Um, they, they did a good job to add this in, so I think Dakota Kai is winning here. Yeah, Dakota Kai, and I, I like Tegan Knox. I think she's she's good enough in her own right, and that sounds like a backhanded compliment, but it's not. The superstar of this is Dakota Kai, and it, and it, and it's a and it's a three way punch from her. A uh, when she turned heel, uh, the most immediate like I used to compare her babyface character, and I used to call her Bailey done properly. <laughs> so it's like okay, when they turn Bailey heel, uh, how successful was that? I'll answer not, uh, but she's got that face. She's got the face and the demeanor, and like her facial expression spreads through her whole body. Yeah, if, she 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 can expel bitch very well, and, right? And there and she's done these two little things that I think are so brilliant. And obviously, there's production value involved in it as well. But a uh, after she attacked Tegan, before Tegan came back, she was carrying Tegan's knee brace to the ring like a goddamn trophy and I'm like that's brilliant and second of all there was one or two weeks where she didn't have entrance music her entrance music was just Tegan Knox screaming after the attack I'm yeah, like that's and, so and, fucking and good it's so simple like you you got your Occam's razor so effective though yeah it's like don't overthink it that's fucking brilliant like that's come what down so champa you know cemented his heel run with by not having entrance music and that chorus of booze was was what carried him to the ring it was fantastic and it was a self-fulfilling prophecy too with that because like as soon as the fans knew what that was for knew the purpose of that they were happy to be a part of it yes but the so whole... it, it, the engagement increased entirely the thing, but the thing with her changing her entrance, though, and she shed it up on the screen as well, is like she was more distracted reliving this horrible thing that she had done than whatever match she's about to have. Yeah, and I and thought it, it and, made her seem obsessed and and really, really just you know, vicious. I want Kai to win. I really just because now Knox is the new nice girl on the roster. I don't know where that leaves her, unless, as you say, Candice LeRae gets involved and this rolls into some sort of gray area, who's really a good guy, who's really a bad guy, triple threat, 
which which wouldn't be the worst thing in the world either, because they've never really solidly found anything for Candace to sink her teeth into, other yeah. than being Johnny Gargano's wife, which That's is terrible. Her her ultimate you know story so far, and plus Dakota Kai is gonna uh, basically has big shoes to fill. The fact that Sheena's gone now, yep. So her whole faction kind of again, you know, disintegrates and. It, 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 pretty much, you lose three people when Shayna's gone. Yeah. So well, the thing Shafir's, is, though, you, you really Shavir, you know, becomes no longer really, uh, you know, a viable option either because Shayna held was, was was the tripod for that. You know, she held most of the weight up. I really have a bad feeling Marina Shafir is going to become a pawn in the Strong Dream feud because it's really good. It's really good the stuff that Velveteen Dream did with the with the wife and the kids on the pants thing that I didn't get yeah. when I first saw it. So my yeah, video was, was kind of it was so damn good. I I just I didn't see what it was at first. Like I say, watching on a bad sort of pixelated stream a little bit. All I got to say in that review was Velveteen Dream came back and he ripped off his pants to reveal more pants. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, with the faces and, you know, I'm coming home, call me daddy, all that, you know. And it's brilliant, but I don't want that to take another woman out of the women's division because wrestling has a habit of doing this, um, pulling a woman off of the women's roster to make her, like, the thing between two guys that are having a feud. Now, yeah. Jessamyn Duke, Marina Shafir, nobody's really crying out for matches from them right now. I don't want to no, oversell it. The unfortunate side effect but, of, of Baszler now transitioning to the main roster is that those two are, are really gonna you know find themselves hindered and seeking any form of tv time because they haven't even had uh, all but piss break matches unfortunately and everything else has just been backup for the queen of spades so and they're not terrible either like no no not by any means be, because of their la lack of 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 time they just speaking too they're not what the other females are well, no, like, Jessamyn Duke, Marina Shafir are not Shayna Baszler and Ronda Rousey. That's just a thing. <laughs> they don't compare to even, you know, most of the other females at this point Well, they don't. Time, they don't so. have presence. Like, without Shayna no, there... No, you, they always felt like lackeys. With, yeah, well, you mentioned her as being sort of like the third leg on the tripod. When they're not there, they look so awkward. Like, they don't know where to look. Like, you know, when, yes. you, uh, when you talk about people uh, that do, like, music or speeches or whatever, if they've got the, the song memorized or the speech memorized, that's great. But they're so used to looking at the paper that they don't know where to look. Uh, I, I, that's very much what's going to happen to them if Baszler leaves. But at the same time, you cannot put them on the main roster. No, because no. the ca the average like I don't want I don't want to be like this and judge fans or whatever. Casual fans are going to eat them alive. Yeah, they're they're going to be uh, so indifferent towards them that it, it's just they're going to get no reaction. It and is. You don't want them kind to of be a... the the lackeys again, at least not at this point. But that gives you know obviously Dakota Kai a huge you know, set of shoes to fill and she could be the next big heel to go after the title if this if this feud goes up properly. So yeah. it is kind of a cool thing to say though that they'd be eaten alive on the main roster in the sense that it shows how far they've come in WWE in general and specifically NXT, but WWE as a whole, in how they present the women's division, that the fans would come to expect a certain level of of performance from them and point out if they're not because five years ago we didn't have that built-in expectation it's just like okay here's your token chick segment and wwe is slowly training the fans to to expect more which is awesome only if people can actually measure up to that awesome yeah 
All right, so we've uh, we've done that one to death. It's going to be good. I think it could be the sleeper for one of the matches of the night, honestly. Yeah, I mean, I can certainly see it being very damn good. To me, I think match of the night will, will probably be uh, having to do with Finn Balor. I, I think yeah. him and Gargano have have match of the night locked in that you know yeah. that match there, and that one has so much intrigue as well because. As much as I love Balor, I, I could see Gargano winning. You know, it, it really. Yeah. I keep hemming and hawing. You know, it, it's almost been like the point of a coin toss. Knowing that I was I was coming through to, to make predictions, I was like, let me really sit back and think here. And I I have justifications in my mind for both men winning yeah. and losing. So it, it's really, it's an interesting you know dichotomy of of what we can get because. It is going to be a, a drastic loss for whoever loses here. Finn wins, Gargano loses. That's a huge blow to everything that he's been trying to accomplish. But then if Finn loses, it really makes him look, you know, that much lesser because he's the one that's been calling out Johnny since he returned. Yeah. So, I mean, I think you've got a lot of smart here. I think you've got a lot of different things going on here. You've got the two different phases, the two different generations of NXT. You know, one in his NXT Prime, and one coming back to sort of reclaim his NXT Prime. Um, you've got... I don't think Balor gets hurt as much by... I don't want him to lose, but I don't think he gets as much hurt by the loss because he's so established with the fans. Not that Gargano isn't. But I think you've got this scenario where Gargano, out of the two of them, is the newer talent to WWE, period, full stop. But yeah. Balor is the newer heel to WWE, exactly. period, that's, full that's stop. That's why I feel like Balor needs the win, in a sense, in my eyes, more. Because this, you know, Johnny's been a face for, for quite some time now, and Finn reinventing himself as a heel uh you know he's, he's done well so far but this this was the whole purpose of him basically going to the dark side mm. you know his first challenge was towards johnny so that this is a culmination in a sense and i feel like it further hinders what they're trying to produce with balor if he doesn't win here since pretty much his whole existence as a heel has been to you know take out johnny wrestling there's a couple cool things, not about either one of these guys specifically, but there's a couple cool things to mention about this match. First of all, when they first announced NXT TakeOver Portland, this was the first match announced. Even when we were building stuff for Worlds Collide, even when we were helping with the Royal Rumble, even yeah, when we were... Only. This was the match that was always on this card. This was the flag at the end of the horizon type thing. So this was the match that they sold this pay-per-view based on initially. Right, and then we built around it after the fact. But it's also the only, and and I think that these matches always have a place on a card. Um, there's one a while back. I don't remember what pay per view it was, but I think it was like Randy Orton and CM Punk. Uh, at I don't I don't remember what pay per view it was, but I I go back to it as a reference. It's the only match on the card that's just a match. Tegan Knox Dakota Kai is a gimmick. And every other match is for a title. So it's for something, or you're going to get something a little different, whatever. This is the only match that just exists as a match on its own terms, with nothing else added to it. And that match on any pay-per-view card always holds a special spot. I also... Yeah, because, because really, I mean, you're, you're right about that. And, and because there's no title on the line, and it, it is simply a blood feud, I feel like they can do so much more than 
the parameters are you know surrounding title matches. So you could tell a lot of interesting stories when there's not already going into it a bunch of stuff attached. Uh, you can really go in a lot of directions. Somebody could come. There is because we're not getting the cruiserweight title match on the card. I did have one thought because Gargano does have an ally on the roster, and Balor has a protege that's kind of on the roster. So, not saying we'll necessarily get some interference from Ciampa, but it wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility to get a little bit of interference from Devlin, who has sat under the learning tree of Finn Balor in his past. I really want them to play up that angle at some point. If they do it this Sunday, it won't break my heart, because that's a tag team match that I love to see. Balor and Devlin versus DIY, somewhere down the line, is a pay-per-view match. Yeah, it certainly seems like, you know, that's the case. And Devlin's a good point, too. That's that's an interesting thought that I hadn't considered. And that might be another reason for them not doing the Cruiserweight title match that night. So then, if that happens, I, I might excuse the Cruiserweight match not happening. Is there an argument to be made, because I've tossed this around in my head since Wednesday, is there an argument to be made for this being the main event? Um, you know, I, I'm not sure. It really kind of, it sits with me both ways, so I'm not sure. I don't, I don't know either, because this Gargano Balor, regardless of context, is a pay-per-view main event. But there are certain things that NXT does a little bit more traditionally, and the idea of the world title going on last does, does hold a spot. I I wouldn't necessarily push for it the more I think about it, but it wouldn't break my heart either. Yeah, that's for sure. I um, mean, my worry is that they might do something fluky with the women's to have that be the main event just so that they can include Charlotte some way, shape, or form. Yeah, I, I mean, that's we're, not we're, the case. We're going we're gonna to touch on that in a second. I Even if Charlotte doesn't get involved, I don't want that. I love Ripley. Everybody knows how I feel about Ripley at this point in time. But just the way things are coming together on this title on this night, and because there's so much opportunity for shenanigans, I don't want that. Not least of all on this particular takeover where they're trying to have their first sort of like, this is our weekend, this isn't a WWE weekend. You can afford to do that at a Mania takeover, like the takeover before Mania, because that takeover is part of a bigger weekend. This is the NXT weekend, and this will set the stage for what an NXT weekend feels like. I don't think you take that gamble, this particular card. Yeah. Um, but what I do want to get into before we get into the women's match, because I got a lot of controversial things to say about that, something that's a lot more fun, but I, again, I have a little bit of a, of a question about, is the tag title match. Fish and O'Reilly from the Undisputed Era taking on the Broserweights. Yeah, this is this is a, a great match. Um, believe it or not, of all people, the Undertaker commented on, uh, you know, the, the Broserweights and said that you know he saw their original uh, match, the first match in the Dusty Classic Tag Team Tournament, and he said he loved the match and he's really all about these two. So a lot of lot of praise there from Mark Calloway, which is massive. I was going to say the the legends and the Hall of Famers are really coming out of the woodwork with their praise of NXT, and it's and it's good. I don't know. You saw NXT this week, correct? 
Yeah. You saw the, um, I, I mean, we just tore the asshole out of Lee versus Dijak again, but the video package they did leading up to that being narrated by Mark Henry, I thought that was an amazing touch. It was very well done. I mean, it's, very smart too. It doesn't change. It doesn't change my opinion on the match and everything we said at the beginning of this video, but it does. It's from somebody that that knows where they've been. I I did love the line of "Here's two guys about as big as the Undertaker moving around like Rey Mysterio." I thought that was a really cool thing, and Mark Henry knows. Yeah. Mark Henry knows what it's like to be to get there because you're big, and then have to figure out how to wrestle. And these guys don't have to do that, and that's. And that's really great. But Dunn and Riddle had the video packages of the night, though, with uh, Pete and Matt's excellent adventure. <laughs> yeah, that was hilarious stuff. Uh, we're going to put this in so the boot. Damn, yeah, so charismatic and, and just so fun. You want to you watch everything that they have to offer. So everything with the plane, it, it, it was just damn hilarious. I have a I'm very... glad that they're letting Riddle be himself. Yeah. Yeah, because Don didn't have a great deal of charisma going for him beforehand, but he also didn't get a chance to really let his his character shine. So now that he's with somebody that's is so over so in opposite the comedy and yeah, such a such a you know blatant opposite of him, it, it really allows him to showcase his talents as well. So it, they're both shining for for better reasons. I have a really bizarre comparison for you, for these two. And I was thinking about this, actually, as I was on my bus on the way home from work today. Have you ever seen the show Scandal? Uh, no, I have not. Okay, so basically Scandal is, it's about Scandal. It's about, you know, the White House and the and the President's Mistress. And it's all, like, it's. I loved it when it was running. It was real. I, I love a lot of the shows by Shonda Rhimes. Grey's Anatomy, How to Get Away with Murder, they all fall under that category. Yeah. But this show has so much, like... Uh, deviousness and terrorism and homophobia and adultery and murder and all these super heavy, terrible, sad things. But there's this little tiny thing in the background, and I don't think they even meant for it to actually be a thing. The restaurant that they always go to to get their stuff, and it's just they make up this restaurant that's got all these super Americana names for everything. It's called Gettysburger. Okay. And I watch this show. And I'm watching it again on Netflix right now. I mean, I guess that's why it's in my head right now. But you watch all this stuff happening. You got people getting tortured. You got governments within governments and all the espionage and the presidents fucking around and, and people are dying and people's families are being tortured. And all this super horrific, horrible stuff. But then you'll notice in the background, there's like a Gettysburger takeout bag. <laughs> and I laugh. I shouldn't laugh because what's happening in the show is terrible. But it pops you. For absolutely no reason, and it has nothing to do with anything. Now, look at the Broserweights. Matt Riddle is unhuman. Matt Riddle could kill you. The way he moves in the ring, and I'm not venturing out into hyperbole, he does not move like anybody else in WWE. He doesn't perform, he doesn't like make his presence known in the ring like anybody else in WWE. I've never had a chance to see him live, but he's not normal. In the ring, and that, and I mean that in a complimentary way. Now, Pete Dunne, on the other hand, is a monster. Pete Dunne's going to take you out bit by bit, piece by piece, break bone by bone. I've been very lucky. 
I've been very, very lucky, and this is, you know, Spaz Phoenix bingo, I'm going to mention Destiny Wrestling. I got into going to the Destiny shows here in Mississauga when Pete Dunne was in the middle of his championship run there. I went to see Pete Dunne versus John Morrison, and that's why I started going to Destiny. I have seen, I have sat front row and watched Pete Dunne smash the living shit out of each other with Josh Alexander, with Marty Skrull. We almost got Pete Dunne versus Walter in Mississauga yeah. uh, at, at Destiny at one point, and then it didn't happen for some of the reasons. I saw him, you know, mix it up with his other guys from Thing as well. I have seen this guy look like he's killing himself, killing other people. And these two together should be the most terrifying horrible team you ever want to sit next to. But then, bro. (laughs) And that's all it takes. That's my Gettysburger bag in the wrestling context. And it shouldn't work, but it does. And that's my very, very labored comparison between the Broserweights and Scandal. My problem with this match now, and and Jake, I want you to significantly help me out here if if you see it a different way. Fish and O'Reilly are not an element in this match. What I mean by that is the fact that on one side, you've got this amazing team of Dunn and Riddle, and on the other side, you've got the overarching story about how the Undisputed Era as a whole is falling apart. Yeah, Both the, the you know, dissolution and disintegration of their, you know... Their teamwork, you know, now we see Roderick Strong no longer has a title. That kind of, to me, is the writing on the wall of what we're, we're going to see for this show. I think that, you know, they're going to lose their titles because of that. But it just it just kind of sucks to me in the sense that, like, because they them losing is part of their whole faction falling apart, the two of them specifically, even though they're the champions in this match, they don't have an individual story in this match. No, they're not, what's, they're not what's important here. What's important is the Undisputed Era as a whole, the tag titles, and the Broserweights. So, again... And so they're there, they're there to Fish fill the O'Reilly, opponent role. Who, who, O'Reilly's so goddamn comedic his timing is fantastic he's so funny fish too i mean but but o'reilly especially if they weren't locked and, into a tag team o'reilly and riddle would be an amazing one-on-one feud oh absolutely and i i see a lot for that you know both of them down the road as well when ue is no longer yeah. as it is but unfortunately like you said no they, they i don't want to say held back because that's not the case but they're just not a focal point whatsoever in this moment yeah. So no, you're you're right about that. They're they're, they're not absolutely. they're not a focal point of the title match in which they currently held the titles. I th- I found that to be a really bizarre point. It's it's going to be an amazing match. It doesn't take away from the fact that it's going to be an amazing match. But I just but, thought. But it, they've been champions for you know quite some time now. Yep. And even then, with all these amazing matches they put on and, and awesome defenses, it still doesn't feel like Redragon is winning or they're winning. It feels like undisputed era. Is winning. Yeah, and I that's do. That's kind of a, an issue with the faction. So, I do want to tip my hat. And uh, first of all, like this is the whole Broserweights thing is a fly in the face of everybody that's like, well, yeah, NXT. You know, they have a bunch of great wrestling, but they don't have any characters. They don't do anything fun. And I'm like, you've got the Broserweights, and you got my girl Shotzi over here in her tank. You can fuck off with your NXT. Ain't any fun. <laughs> <laughs> but I do want to I do want to severely tip my cap because sometimes long term booking isn't the strongest in WWE and that extends to NXT occasionally. Uh, I'll admit that even though with my bias hat on and all that sort of thing, the two bits of, of really cool storytelling here, um, 
fall fall in the Dusty Classic itself. A, Dunn and Riddle beat the Grizzled Young Veterans to win the Dusty Classic. The Grizzled yeah. Young Veterans got there by beating the Undisputed Era. So mm-hmm. there's a built-in story that, hey, we already beat the guys that beat you. Now, exactly. Imper- and, and that, Imperium that was involved really in that. But, but the other half of it, too, is the last time that Pete Dunne was in the finals of the Dusty Classic, who fucked him over? Uh, it was Roderick Strong as well. So. Well, it was Roderick Strong, but it was Roderick Strong joining the Undisputed, Undisputed Era. Undisputed Era, yeah. That's why so, I said, imagine if... I know it wouldn't happen, but I made a joke on the show the other day saying that, oh, imagine if... if <laughs> You know, you see Riddle screw him over the way Strong screwed him over. I said, could, could you, you know, believe it? <laughs> Just to see it happen, though, history repeats itself. See, I, I, that, think, I, think, I think, I think, I think the more valid, but I just, I laughed at, you know, oh, could you imagine? I and see, I would love that too. Like, you know, you know, Pete Dunne just can't catch a break. But yeah. I think to tell a story like that, because that's a two-year arc, because they didn't do a Dusty Classic last year. That's, yeah, so. that's a two-year arc for him to finally get his revenge to put himself in the to risk putting himself in the same spot again to get back at the people that did it last time after already beating the people that already beat them there's i don't know whether it was all intentional i'll be i'll be fair but there's a lot of cool storytelling in uh, a company that's not always the best at that uh, sh- again uh like like dakota kai and tegan Knox, this could be match of the night maybe yeah so let's go on and let's make me super unpopular ripley versus bel-air we're getting bel-air out of the way before we get to charlotte and ripley at mania yeah and we uh, could even see charlotte get involved in this match but we, we both know rhea ripley is is obviously not losing the title before mania that's that's not at all going to happen and it also makes me wonder now uh is she going to have any role at NXT, uh, the show, you know, the takeover before Mania, because what's the sense of her defending the night before if she's going to be defending at Mania against Charlotte? It even made me consider, would they have Charlotte take her on at the NXT takeover and have the Rumble winner main event the Portland show instead of being at WrestleMania, you know? No one's mentioned that, I don't believe, but... Well, I think when Ripley came out to, if you go back to Monday Night Raw, as I say, these brief minutes where they've crossed over NXT and Raw haven't been haven't been too bad, all things considered. And she did step up to Charlotte and say, "Why don't you use your chance to challenge me at WrestleMania?" But I mean, they could always retcon that. Yeah, they could fix it, but they could. I mean, also, because you think c- about it, why would what, they're not going to have the women's title defended at? take over before mania that seems odd to leave that off but it would make no sense to have all this story told just for a chance for her to lose the belt again you know so yeah what does she do for the next three months two months excuse me waiting for mania to happen that's that's the unfortunate side effect here i mean you could give her if she wanted to pull a power move on charlotte flair and show her like how how much she's not worried i mean charlotte flair is a credit piece at this point in time, like anybody from NXT yeah. going to the main roster, not only to WrestleMania, not only to fight Charlotte Flair, even if you don't like Charlotte Flair, you have to recognize what a minute that is for Rhea Ripley. Because Rhea, cause Charlotte Flair is great, regardless of what you think of her. Oh, she got this because of her dad. Rod, yeah, Rod, 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 this all and that, that aside, all the politicking and... and all that aside, she's, she's a figurehead of the main roster women's division. She's so, an amazing talent, and, and she's earned almost all of which she's gotten. So. Of course. 
So if you want, if Ripley wanted to sort of counteract that and say, oh, well, I, I don't see you as anything, uh, you know what, I'll, I'll just fill up my weekend. I'll take another challenger the night before, before I face you, like to sort of have that, 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 that big, like, you know, dust off the shoulder type of baller move of like, this is how much I'm not worried about you. Like she could take an ancillary challenger the night before like somebody you know we kind of go in and kind of know they're going to have a good match but this is a warm-up for tomorrow type thing and i hate to say this or maybe i don't even hate to say it because it would still be a fun match throw my girl shotzi in there let her have a decent match with somebody like shotzi the night yeah. before just to, ma- mini feud and, just and to make just to make them go up to that point or maybe you don't even have to do it a few maybe it can be face face and have her I mean, yeah, you can still do a feud with them both fa- being faces. Yeah. Have her... Oh, oh okay. Maybe more into like a rivalry, you know, who's the best kind of idea up until that point, and that would work well, but you Rhea know, Ripley is not losing, and no. I like Bianca Belair. She's... she's. I, I know you're not a, much of a fan, but... I don't like her character. She's amazing in the ring. I have something that I need to say, and here is where I need to separate myself out from Jake, because I don't know whether Jake's going to jump on board with what I'm saying right now. It's February, folks. It's February. Yeah. So all of a um, sudden, all of a sudden, Bianca has a title shot. All of a sudden, Naomi was like a cunt hair away from getting a title shot. All of a sudden, Leo Rush is back in the title picture, even though I don't mind that. All of a sudden, Keith Lee is a champion, even though I don't mind that. See, with NXT and with the main roster, they've always traditionally focused on Black History Month, and you see it where people get pushes around this time, and, and that's kind of, you know, their their bread and butter of, oh, look, no, we do care, and they'll air their little vignettes of, you know, yeah. oh, look at all the history that we've had for black wrestlers and all that they've accomplished, and then as soon as the month's over, they go back to pushing them down and making them shuck and jive for their paycheck. Uh, as far as... But Bianca, I don't think they've ever... They, they've never really put her out there as a joke piece though like all any like quote-unquote shucking and jiving that she's done has been totally in line with this like sort of snappy version yeah to Sasha but Banks i'm saying in general doing. you know with, with all yeah african-american yeah talent. so with with bianca and current standings with everyone um the only one that i would agree with unfortunately is is naomi had she won i even made a joke with a few people online like oh it's black history month of course they'll do that with naomi you know, they'll coincide with her return because they've done it before. They did it years prior. It's not like it's it's untreaded water. It's, it's familiar territory. But again, what but we said about Velveteen Bianca, Dream. And when it comes to, uh, you know, others, Keith Lee, I feel like that was their plan all along. So I don't agree with that stance entirely, but I'm not disagreeing with it wholeheartedly either because it kind of goes both ways, unfortunately. They they do it on the main roster, definitely. But I feel like NXT, all of this is part of the plan. I feel like they're they're so... They're not very reactionary in NXT. They're they're more they plot along because they are well thought out. Things are prepared. They pretty much know what they have booked for the takeover three months in advance. They're used to writing you know several weeks worth of shows at once. So I feel like most of it is formulated and and uh, less topical and reactionary, more thought process and and you know foretold. So okay. I think so, I think so, everything uh, they've done is is planned. So I'll put my more controversial bent on this aside a little bit because just I don't review Raw and SmackDown, so that's this, this is where I get that shit out to. But um, even if you go w- with the logical thought out stuff, I don't understand 
Bianca Belair as a first contender for Ripley because Ripley getting that title meant a completely different direction for that title from Shayna Baszler because she's such a she has such a star element but it's such a different star element than than what Baszler had right Baszler okay to be fair Baszler plowed through everybody so it was going to be hard regardless but a as a first challenger for Ripley you get somebody that was absolutely plowed through by the person that she just beat. So there's a domino effect there. And while people have taken me to task on this online, no, Bianca Belair hasn't had a whole lot of title shots, but she feels in a very artificial way and I and I will admit that it's artificial, she feels like she's been hovering around the title forever. Yeah, she and she's I, not and, one to be given a chance beforehand. I, and I with, do but see with her being a new stance. champion, I I want there to be somebody new. Like necessarily, even if we went with somebody like an Io Shirai again, because Io Shirai was another very notable feud of of um, Shayna Baszler. I just it felt like, and I mean every 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 division has has its top layer, and the top layer sort of stays the same for a while. I understand that that's a thing. But with when you get a new champion, you also get that feeling that new challengers are going to come out of the mix. Now, I'm not saying I'm going to be selfish and push Shotzi into a legitimate thing. I'm not saying, you know, call up the Robert Stone brand and have a legitimate 50-50 match with Chelsea Green right away. But with the, with, with the, with the new reigning champion, you hope that other wave c- comes up to meet it, you know, especially if you've got a heel you you imagine having mostly babyface challengers, so when a babyface takes it, you really want it to look different. So to have it and have somebody that feels like they've been there for a while now, it's it's not bad. Like I say with a lot of these other matches, the match is going to be good. As a concept, it underwhelms me incredibly, and I yeah. think that's frustrating. I don't want to be underwhelmed by NXT. I hold it to a higher standard. I agree with that, but... I see what you're getting at, too. I just feel like most of this was a, a tentative plan for what they were going for, and I, I feel like they just, they haven't, not that they haven't had the chance, but it just hasn't fit into their overarching plan with the women's division, because Baszler held the title for so long, and that was a story that they wanted to hold and and have a huge payoff for. They wanted to build someone that would, you know, instantly be made by beating her, and they were saving that to, for their their new penultimate babyface in Rhea Ripley. So by doing so with that, it, it really took away anyone else's chance for quite some time to get a shot at the belt. Because think about it, Sasha, you know, had a short run, and then Bailey had it for a decent amount of time. It was a it was a lengthy run, yeah. and then Oscar had it for how long? Christ, you know. Yeah. And then it went from Oscar pretty much right over to Baszler, and then. That was it, you know. We 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 didn't have it was it was like two years almost to Oscar, two years with Baszler, and you know what's a hard to remember in between. You so. know what you know what's hard to remember between Oscar and Baszler was actually Ember Moon. Yeah, and that was that was so short lived <sighs> as oh. well. So doesn't that make you cry a little? Ember yeah, Moon, Ember Moon is should have Ember Moon. Although she hasn't been given very Ember Moon is one of those ones that I think should be given more. And for somebody who wasn't given nearly as much as I think they should have been given, it's really noticeable that she's gone. It's really noticeable that she's been gone. I should say. 
I uh, I know she's been doing uh, some stuff on on backstage, and I know she's literally been doing some backstage work as well, and that's awesome. But I hope that's not an indicator that she's not coming back to in ring because that's that's a loss because she's so different. But yeah, um, and and she has been missed. So hopefully, you know, she'll get back to to main roster soon enough. Yeah, I don't want to make those direct comparisons because sometimes they come off as lazy. But she really is sort of like that that women's division equivalent of the Demon Finn Balor, and wrestling fans like their creepy characters. Like, we just do. Like, Undertaker, Kane, uh, even go to something like the Boogeyman, the Fiend. Um, you know, we got dinosaurs in AEW, it's fine. But, like, Ember Moon just came out and had that natural, like... It, like, you know, it's it's the it's the cliche, oh, wrestling goth character, but she had so much swagger with it that yeah. she, she took something like the demon Finn Balor and made it something that you could see every week without it getting old. Because the demon would get played out eventually if you saw it every week. That's why it stayed special. Exactly. Ember Moon was a version of that with a little bit of arrogance and a little bit of swagger and a little bit of charisma that would have worked week to week. And as I say, uh, before, it lends itself to things like her coming out with... Um, what's her name? Um, Lizzie Hale from Hailstorm and, and yeah. all that type of thing. Like, there was a rock star element to it as well. And uh, I don't know how we got onto the topic of Ember Moon <laughs> on no, an NXT you know, pay-per-view. But... But no, I, I think we both agreed, though. Obviously, Rhea Ripley will will prevail. Whether or not Charlotte gets involved, I think it'll be a... a, a I don't think it'll be a screwjob finish. I think Bianca gets pinned to make Rhea look strong, yeah. and then Charlotte comes out if that's the case, but... I don't think she'll she'll break up the match to lead to any type of triple threat or anything. I was gonna say, and not just not just because I'm trying to shit on Bel Air, but if they do go the lazy route of like, oh, the match ends in a fucking whatever, I guess WrestleMania is gonna be a triple threat. I will be again because as I've said repeatedly now, because we hold NXT to that higher standard, therefore I should hold an NXT championship match to a higher standard, I would find that really lazy and really deflating. Yeah, that's Um, for sure. Sort of branching off tangentially from this, any chance we see anything from Lynch or Baszler on Sunday? Uh, no, I think think that's going to be held off of this card. I think they're just going to... Keep that to Raw. We might see. We heard we might see Lynch at NXT coming up next week, so we might see her retaliate on the Wednesday show to try and spike ratings. But I imagine that they would announce that before it happens to get people to tune in as well. So Th- thoughts on the Baszler attack? Different. I liked it. Different, it was definitely yeah. different. I just hope they don't. You know, Becky now is saying I'm the Vampire Slayer. I don't want to see them stick to that as a gimmick for Baszler for the long run. I hope it was just a one-off and there, there she wanted so, to be vicious. There are so many spoof articles out there trying to convince the world that WWE has contacted Gangrel to be her manager. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and as much okay, as much as the banter part of my wrestling brain would kind of love that a little bit. Don't do it. <laughs> yeah, no. Stay far away from the brood, you know, with, with this gimmick. Or with the females, it'll be the flow, you know. But see, I don't like... And we all made the vampire jokes, even even me. Uh, once again, I'm going to say what I said on my NXT review. If you want to see great instant, like, 30-second reactions to what's going on on all the different wrestling shows. Uh, Look up a girl on Twitter named Cresta Star. Her reaction to this was priceless. Um, It's just so different, and I... Yeah, everybody made the vampire reference, but just 
like, I'm not only here, I'm not only going to beat the shit out of you, I'm going to do something right away that scares you. I'm going to be one human being taking a bite out of another human being, and you're going to leave with a scar, and you're going to have something to remember me by. Like, exactly, if, if pull you out take... the Mike Tyson era, you know, attitude. Yeah, I mean, as... as as many references like that as we can as we can come up with, but it is genuinely like she's she's a legit fighter, so there is a legit legitimate animalistic element to her. So you want to believe that going up to the main roster, she would amp that up to the nth degree and want to make a huge, painful, scary statement. Now, the uh, people are saying that like the blood pack didn't you know eject or whatever it does as it's supposed to. I thought it looked great. Yeah, I thought it looked good. I mean, you could tell it was definitely a, a faker, you know, thinner blood, but it still worked for what they were yeah. trying to achieve. I will say, as much as I love Becky Lynch, there was a little bit of overacting in the aftermath of it. Um, so she needs to find her her happy medium with that. But that's such a minor criticism of a of uh, of a character that I've got a lot of time and a lot of forgiveness for. That it's yeah, hardly absolutely. that it's hardly worth mentioning. Um, I don't know, because you've got two, two two different crossovers here, where, you know, Rhea Ripley's definitely still on NXT, Charlotte's definitely still on the main roster, Lynch is still definitely on the main roster, nobody really, I mean, Trip, you said Triple H has alluded to it, but nobody really knows where Baszler sits right now. Yeah, he um, basically said that she's still on NXT for this point in time, so... Yeah, but I mean... Like that's that's him talking about behind the scenes stuff, but like as as just a generic, uh, casual wrestling fan audience, it's sort of left a bit ambiguous. Yeah, I mean she it, could stay with NXT going forward. This doesn't have to necessarily no. be a full call. No, but I mean it because they're all interacting with each other on the way to WrestleMania. The one other card we have, I mean we have the Saudi Arabia show, which sounds like it's going to be ridiculous. we got Goldberg versus The Fiend. Yeah, How- we have the Elimination Chamber following that. And- I mean, if you threw these, like, if if somehow, on some show, because there's crossover on Raw, crossover on NXT, if somehow these four women all got in each other's faces, not even intentionally, and you get a general manager or even even a William Regal that's like, you know what? Screw it, I'm done trying to keep you guys from killing each other. Fatal 4-Way, Elimination Chamber. It's sort of a throwaway pay-per-view anyway, so a little bit of a marquee thing like that. Hey, here's a preview for both the matches you're going to see at WrestleMania. Wouldn't it's, it's not the most inventive thing, but it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. Yeah, no To see about Ripley, it. Ripley and Baszler getting a simultaneous rub giggity from charlotte and <laughs> becky um and especially trading back and forth on shows kind of you know yeah you know twice the advertising on. yeah i mean exactly. for, uh, like i don't always want to take it from a business point of view but twice the advertising no but it is helpful so and i mean like as it the definitely cri- benefits both shows and i want to see as many people tune into nxt as possible so whatever they have to do to drive eyes there and um, I know we, we still have the, the main event to get here. I unfortunately have to jet out in a minute for out of nowhere. But this one, I, I, again, this is this is the key here. Uh, I've, I've gone back and forth on the NXT championship match just as much as I did with Gargano and, and Finn Balor. Since I, I, I feel like, you know, the Broserweights will take the titles before, I, I, I could honestly see Undisputed Era losing all the gold, essentially, that they, they have at this point in time in one night, in one fell swoop. And that leads to the build of their, you know, dismemberment and, and their downfall. I don't think it'll be an instant 
you know, uh, tear apart for them. But I think this will be the the shaping of their coffin. Yeah. I think that the, the writing's kind of on the wall for that as well. So I can see Champa being victorious here and taking the title. I and I'm gonna keep I because I know you got to go. I'm gonna keep my thoughts really really quick. I would love to be as excited about this match now as I was before War Games when they sort of like went sharp left and like yes. made made some teams. I I want to be more excited about this match than I am because again I keep saying it. The match is going to be great, but they've it's been a little too long. And it's that a, and like you said too, I feel like it's. Less of a focus on Adam Cole in a sense, and again, more of a focus on the group. You know, Ciampa wants the title, I feel, which has always been his, his main focus. Him and Goldie are, you know, supposed to be inseparable. But as where he really wanted to, to destroy Adam Cole, once he did it in War Games, I feel like he kind of quenched that thirst. Yeah. So the, so the, so the, the, the fan drive of wanting to see him get his hands on Adam Cole, we've been there, done that. So it doesn't have the same power. I will say the one thing that they did on NXT this week, and it was in the last, like, 30 seconds, and I mentioned this on my NXT review, but whatever, when they had the stare down that, like, the champion and challenger always do, Cole was looking at Ciampa. Ciampa had his eyes on the belt, not on Cole, to the point where Cole had to lift up the belt just so that they could look eye to eye. That was a great bit of storytelling there. My problem with it is it's sort of the opposite of what you were saying, is I think this match is all about Adam Cole, because I think you you were at uh, TakeOver, what was it, 25? Yeah. Right? When Gargano, who's popular as hell, got booed, yeah, booed because he got, he got overshadowed by the legitimate, like, all-rounder star power of Adam Cole. Uh, call me crazy, Jake. I think if this match goes the way we think it's going to go, I think Ciampa gets booed on Sunday. It might. I mean, fans are really behind Adam Cole. And and rightfully so, it it's uh, it's perplexing. But I feel like they have a, a good story in mind with this. It's not just going to be I don't want to say like a fluke victory, but you know I, I feel like oh, they're not just giving the fans you know per se that want to see champion champion again the belt for that sake. I feel like they have a really good you know foundation and and, and plan here. So I'm gonna trust. What they, what they, whatever they give us with NXT. I mean, I, I want to give them the real benefit of the doubt here. Yeah. As, as where the main roster, like I said before, tends to be more reactionary, and if something doesn't go right, they try and correct it to quell fan outrage. Here, I, I think that they've thought out all their options, and, and they have a real idea in mind. I, I just think, and uh, again, I'm stealing part of this thought from What Culture. I was listening to What Culture on the way home. It's it's not entirely my idea, but I am going to expand on it a little bit. The idea that we could go to an NXT crowd, the NXT, the smart crowd, the crowd that knows what's going on behind the scenes, and they could see this guy who came back from a broken neck early achieve his goal, get back where he was before he broke his neck, and walk out as a, as a triumphant, all-overcoming champion, and even potentially get booed for it, it is absolutely mind-boggling, in my opinion, but it only speaks to the star power of Adam Cole. And I think absolutely. with with Roderick Strong already losing his title, with uh, the other two losing their titles, I think they could go one of two ways with that. I think this could be the final link in the chain that drops, or they all rally around the only belt that they have left, and Adam Cole pulls one out. But then they try to stretch this out to WrestleMania, and that has its own set of worries. 
Yeah, because they could go ahead and do it where Cole's the only champion and, and they're tired of, you know, saving the day for him. He's not there for them, but they're there for him. That could be a story that they tell yep. as well. I mean, there's a lot of options here. Or like you said, it could be where they they all lose the belts, but they use that as a point to rally around, you know, the drive of them becoming champions once more. And or, or they could all cling to the idea of, hey, if we can't be champions... Adam's still the champion. We're all champions by association. Like the mentality of those four guys can go in any direction. Yeah, that's how so that, great. That's what's so interesting, are. and that's why I, I'm I am looking forward to this card as a whole because, you know, like you said, as smart as the fans are, as in tune we are with the dirt sheets and the news and the updates and the constant news feed, twenty four seven media that we have with social media and whatnot, we really don't know. We don't have a set idea. And I love that. I love not knowing the outcome before it happens. So, The NXT crowd is also, we're super critical, but also we want more than the main roster fans to be taken on that ride. Like, I think this right now, I go into Sunday hoping that they change every single negative thing I've said tonight. And I think they can. I really think that they have the power to do so. There, There is some faith in that system. Anyways, this has gone on way longer than I intended. You've been very, very generous with your time this evening, sir. Tell them where to find you. Thank you so much for having me. You can go ahead and find me on the Joe Cronin Show. We're live after every single wrestling whatever, AEW, Raw, SmackDown, NXT, pay-per-views, you name it. We'll be there live, youtube.com slash Joe Cronin Show. You can find me on Twitter at Countdown Ended, and you can find me on YouTube at Countdown Ended as well. Spaz, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it greatly. Thank you to your audience for being so kind as always. Everybody, make sure you hit that like button, subscribe, turn on notifications for this man. I don't ask you for much, so do it for him, please. Uh, you know, he's, he's always reliable with his NXT reviews and great insight with his friends, so make sure you, you, you subscribe and uh, leave a comment down below letting us know what match you're looking forward to the most and uh, what do you think of our predictions. Go ahead and comment down below and tune in with your thoughts. The one thing I will say, go over to Jake's channel as well. Check out his series, The Countdown. It's really good. I don't see nearly enough people in that chat. He's he's doing cool things too. He's been very nice to me. He's been very generous with his time here tonight. So go show him as much love as you guys show me. But you guys know the drill. I've been Spaz, he's been Jake, we are your YWC Reality Check. Subscribe up there, talk down there, start a conversation, keep all these conversations going. Don't be a stranger, I'll talk to each and every last one of you later, but for right now, me and super sexy Jake DeMarco are tagging out. You're a freak like me